welcome to The Boot. That's right, it's The Boot. We are recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to. This week, Kenna and I try to OD on blue pills to help us re-forget the 2003 sequel letdown, The Matrix Reloaded, starring Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, Lawrence Fishburne, Hugo Weaving, and Helmut Bat... Bat... Batkiss? Batkiss? <laughs> Say it one more time. <laughs> And Helmet Bakaitis, a.k.a. the fucking architect. Kenna, this movie is bad! It is grade A disgusting smelly garbage. <laughs> I don't know at which point I knew it was bad, but it was probably the first time Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss kissed. And I was like... How did you describe it? It's like watching your friend's parents kiss in front of you. Yes, it's exactly like you go over to your friend's house and his or her parents just came home from a cruise. (laughs) And you're just like, when can I go home? When When can I leave this nightmare? You have the sight now, Neo. You are looking at the world without time. Then why can't I see what happens to her? We can never see past the choices we don't understand. Are you saying I have to choose whether Trinity lives or dies? No. We've already made the choice. Now you have to understand it. What if I can't? What happens if I fail? Then Zion will fall. What if you just, like, chucked him (laughs) (laughs) out? Random. Random. Didn't see that. Psych. I think that's sort of the problem with this movie is that it tries to deal with the theme from the original, which is free will and choice versus destiny and predetermination. And it Mm -hmm. just gets buried in these long, drawn out conversations, followed by insane, not character-driven action scenes that go on for way too long. And they do it like three times and it's just like, what is the point of this? I think too what's so jarring about Reloaded as a sequel is that I spent so much time when I watch The Matrix now and knowing now what we know about the Wachowskis, I feel like I focus so much on like the emotional resonance of it being sort of like this film about how like you present one way to the world. And then when you find out that you're not actually that person on the inside, like the decision to like change and become who you really are is so important that once you get into like the continued mythology and the other movies, you're like, wait, what is this about? And so then, I mean, I told you this today. I watched several videos where men wearing various styles of leather jackets <laughs> explained to me what the Matrix is about. <laughs> and I think I, I just I don't buy that the like s- central like story of it all is really all about like computers and yeah. like robots. I'm like, no, like they were feeling something in this. And I prefer to believe that that's where the first movie lies. And then these pieces of crap. Cash just, grab. Ugh. Cash grab. Because the second movie was the most financially successful. Yeah. And then everybody saw it and was like, well, maybe we've made a huge mistake. I don't know, but uh, if you're joining us to this podcast, if this is your first episode of The Boot, I gotta say, you picked a doozy of one. <laughs> I'm Brian Flynn, and my co-host Ken and I try to pick a classic movie and talk about it as if the movie's to be remade today, as Kenna said earlier. I think I'm just repeating your words. Yeah, but uh, I mean, typical. We're, <laughs> we're in sequel month, so we're, we're, we're kind of in sort of a hell of just kind of 
stupid movies that we're talking about. And this here's one is no exception. Here's the thing, though. We have watched bad movies before. That's and true. you guys don't know this, but we have called it quits on a couple of <laughs> ideas that we had that we thought would be good episodes. And we have said no. Sometimes in the middle of the movie, I've called it off. <laughs> but this is different because I do think there is some value to talking about this movie. The Matrix franchise needs to be saved and we're going to do it right here tonight <laughs> for you. It needs us. Um, but before we do, we're going to talk about some movie news. And if you're a Matrix fan, it only gets better because we have some Matrix-related news. What are the chances? What are the chances? John Wick 3 director claims the Wachowskis are working on Matrix 4. Chad Stileski? I believe is how you pronounce it. Stahelski? Stahelski. Why am I still pronouncing people's names? I, I don't know. <laughs> and I don't know how to like, I don't know how to call you out appropriately. Just say I'm doing it. <laughs> but let's just all assume I say people's names wrong all the time. Uh, mention to Slash Film that the Wachowski sisters are now involved in a sequel a fourth part, which doesn't really make sense, really, because th- this trilogy sort of wrapped up pretty nicely here, but that they are somehow involved or possibly writing. I'm trying to find out exactly. <laughs> What's the story here? What are you trying to tell me? That I can dodge bullets? No, Neo. I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. This is a quote. I'm super happy that the Wachowskis are not just doing a Matrix, but they're expanding what we all loved. And if it's anywhere near the level of what they've already done, it wouldn't take more than a call to go, hey, we want to be a stunt guy and I would probably go and get hit by a car. This is great news, right, Kenna? It it was great news <laughs> for like two hours until we found out there's just a quick update at the top of the story that says Chad Stahelski's representative has reached out to Slash Film to say his comments on a Matrix reboot were strictly hypothetical and not, in fact, confirmation the Wachowskis are working on a new movie. So for a few short hours a few weeks ago... A glimmer of hope that I is it hope, but I a guess. glimmer of 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 something. I guess I you know I remember a couple of years ago Zach Penn was like talking to anyone he could talk to and be like yeah I'm working on the Matrix. Well, I'm trying to pitch something on the Matrix. Well, people aren't taking my calls. On the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just, please. And um, so I just think it's like I think there's a weird n- niche for this franchise. Yeah which had so much potential from that first one. It was groundbreaking. It was entertaining. It was action-packed. It was sort of billed as like an R-rated Star Wars potential. Like it it was going to be a new universe that people could kind of grow up into. Yeah. You know. And then the Maragovian, what was his fucking (laughs) name, came along? The Merovingian. The Merovingian and the fucking Keymaker and all the vampires and uh, the video game cutscenes. Yeah, the Uh, Animatrix, which I haven't watched, but you better believe I watched a video in which someone explained it to me. (laughs) (laughs) I do think that the Matrix has life in it. I think that people will always want to pitch something new because and they're always going to sort of be different about it and be like, this is a great series and I want to contribute. But the real notion behind it is I loved the first movie and I want it to be something better than what the second and third one are like they're universally it's agreed upon that it's not good. So that's what we're here to do this week. We're going to try to pitch our own version of a Matrix sequel, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be great, guys. You ready to do this, Kenna? I'm ready. Guys, this is a reboot of The Matrix Reloaded. 
While this answer functioned, it was obviously fundamentally flawed, thus creating the otherwise contradictory systemic anomaly that if left unchecked might threaten the system itself. Ergo, those that refuse the program while a minority, if unchecked, would constitute an escalating probability of disaster. This is about Zion. You are here because Zion is about to be destroyed. It's every living inhabitant terminated, its entire existence eradicated. Bullshit. Bullshit. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. But rest assured, this will be the sixth time we have destroyed it. And we have become exceedingly efficient at it. I mentioned this before, and I really think that this is kind of at the heart of the problem of this movie. The Wachowskis had a theme that the central kind of argument, which you need in any good movie, because mm-hmm. that's sort of the exploration of your story, right? In this particular case, it's choice versus programming. You either serve your function or you you have free will and you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You can build a story around that. Many movies build stories around this. Right. Unfortunately, the way that they decided to do it was let's have Neo go talk for a very long time to characters we don't care about. And then each time he does this, it's immediately followed by a like 12 minute video game cutscene of a fight. Yeah. Just to be like, isn't it amazing how much we can do with computers now? And that's not what the first movie is. The Oracle mm-hmm. is immediately followed by the 100 Agent Smith fight scene. Yes. Next is then the – I'm always going to pronounce his name wrong because I did not care to memorize it. <laughs> the, the Merovingian. <laughs> where he talks about programming code and then he like makes a woman orgasm with like a chocolate cake and we have to like – Watch it through code. Like, we zoom in on mm-hmm. the code of her. And I was just like, oh, God. Which is immediately That followed. was egregious. It was, so <laughs> it was so bad. Beneath our poised appearance, the truth is we are completely out of control. And But that's followed by... The freeway chase, and then we have to find the key master, and then the key master takes us to the architect, who gives us this boring fucking speech, and then immediately after this, it's not, Neo saves Trinity, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, it's not well-crafted. Like, you're either experiencing intense action, or they're just explaining the plot to drive it forward. Yeah, absolutely. That's all that's ever happening. Yes. And so, even, like, the love st- and this is sort of how I feel about the first movie as well. I don't l- like the love story, because I don't I just don't love the idea that like part of Trinity's like prophecy, self-fulfilling prophecy is that she's going to fall in love with right. the one. I 100% agree. I don't I just it feels like something that was kind of shoehorned in because as as a means to be like, well, we got to give Neo a reason to make choices. But um, right. The Matrix Reloaded was directed by Lana and Lily Wachowski, directors of the original Matrix, and then they went on to do such great things as Cloud Atlas. Yep. And Jupiter Ascending. Yep. <laughs> Ooh. Stars the immortal Keanu Reeves as Neo, Carrie Ann Moss as Trinity, Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus, Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith, and we picked Helmut Bakaitis, who plays the architect, because I, we didn't really talk about this, but I feel like he's the most important character in this movie. 
As, who's only least, in five minutes of this movie? He's only in five minutes of the movie. He's sort of the villain of this movie in well, a way. I think as far as secondary characters go, I mean, honestly, we probably should have recast the Merovingian. But like the people who feel more important, like don't actually have a place in the movie. Like the Keymaker, I think, is a really cool character. The Oracle is a great character. Right. But but they they're good guys. And it's like we need we need to talk about like. Yeah, that's true. Some of the struggle that this movie needs. Um should we get into Neo? Let's just jump right in. Let's jump in. But I, I, I want to talk about Neo in terms of how did you go about refashioning this movie? Because this, okay. this, has, this needs major rewrites. Major rewrites. I'll say this just to get us started. Uh-huh. I didn't recast this as um, necessarily – like I feel like I let this version of the movie exist – in its three parts but at the end of the third movie spoiler alert neo saves everybody and then everything goes back to normal the people in zion are allowed to live in peace and then the matrix goes back to normal Um, at the end of three at the end of three yeah and so i decided i don't know i don't know why (laughs) but i decided to make this version of the matrix more like just another version of the matrix itself Because the whole point of the Matrix is that these archetypes exist in their various forms over and over and over in order to create a system that allows the robots to keep feeding off of humanity. Mm -hmm. And so I just said, okay, let's just take these character archetypes and cast new people and it'll just be like a fun new version of the Matrix. Oh, I thought you were saying something different that like... This is Matrix 7.0 because Neo is the one in version 6. Others? How many? Others? The Matrix is older than you know. I prefer counting from the emergence of one integral anomaly to the emergence of the next, in which case this is the sixth version. Five ones before me. There are only two possible explanations. There were five ones before me. Either no one told me or no one knows. So you're saying that, like, I get what you're saying. <laughs> is this too heavy in no, the mythology? No, 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 I get it. Because the, the whole scene that we just listened to is that the architect explains to Neo, and he sort of shatters his reality that it's like, you have no choice but to go back to the source, because unfortunately, you don't realize that you are also part of the system that you've been fighting. Yeah. You're saying he, that's what's, ha- that's what happens. So Matrix Reloaded is a re, it's almost a true reboot of the first movie. Yes. Wow. Okay. I'm so I'm interested. just recasting this whole series of characters kind of on the assumption that like we're just – we're back at it again because <laughs> that's what they tell us, right? Back like I'm action. not misunderstanding this. Sure. Like ultimately these programs exist in a way that means they have to continue existing because even if the robots aren't bothering Zion – yeah. Even if this piece lasts 100 years, the Matrix still has to like function in a specific yeah. way. All right. I'm in. Okay. So so who'd you pick for your Neo? For my Neo, I picked Christopher Abbott. We've talked about him on this. Yes. So he's in the uh, new um, adaptation of Catch-22, which is on Hulu. I recently rewatched It Comes at Night um, that he was in, and I think he's fabulous in that movie. He's so real. And I think I like him. For Neo, because there is a certain sort of facade that I – and I don't – here's the thing. Keanu, love you. Big fan. I I wouldn't say a bad word about the man, but I'm about to. He's fine as an actor. Um, 
just sort of captivating in his own way that I think makes us want to watch, but not necessarily great. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why we love the character almost in this way that like he's very good at sort of putting up a facade of like not showing a lot of emotion. Yeah. And so I, I think I think I picked him because I like the idea of him sort of being a, a hapless hacker who ends up in who ends up finding what he's looking for and is now caught up in the thing. Like I, I, I think he would be great at that. I think Christopher Abbott has a lot of potential as an actor, so much so that we should start calling him C Abs, C Abs, or Cabs, okay. just Cabs. Cabs. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I agree with you that like the reason Keanu was so good in the first one is because he kind of portrays Neo as like an empty vessel. Yeah, that gets filled with information, and we we go along with him. Yeah. And we put ourselves in that vessel and we believe that, like, we want to float in the air and dodge bullets and all this stuff. Yeah. In the subsequent sequels, there's no humanity to track. So then when he's told that he's not actually essentially human. Yeah. It checks out. It kind of checks out. So it's not like a, a crashing revelation. He's just like, oh. Well, except for his relationship with, with Trinity, Trinity, which I hated. Which is so weird. Ugh, so weird. They are so, this bothered me so much. They get like they get off of the Nebuchadnezzar in Zion, and I can't believe I committed so much of this movie to memory. <laughs> and um and they're all like can't keep their hands off of each other, can't wait to jump each other's bones. And I'm like, you guys have been on a ship to get like sleeping right next to yeah. each other for months. Do you think of what I'm thinking? If you think this elevator's too damn slow, how long do we charge the nap? 24, maybe 30 hours. Some people go their entire lives without hearing news that good. And I couldn't fathom why they were so like hot and heavy. I was like, what is this relationship? I like that pick. I think he's a great actor, and I think it's a, a smart choice to give Neo humanity this time around because, you know, it's. It's real easy that first time, but then you really – there's not a lot of – and I don't know if this is Keanu thing. If it's um, the Wachowskis made him do that or if it's – I don't know. But, like, there's not a lot of stretch in these yeah. two movies, like, um, especially with him and Trinity. I decided to fix what I have been given. Okay. <laughs> because I do think it's important that because we've invested so much in – Keanu's Neo mm -hmm. that we see him fulfill his promise to like free everyone at the end of one and so I decided to reconfigure the story as if it was told just in a different way and I think how I came about it was that Neo needs to realize this sort of thing about choice and free will much earlier. Mm -hmm. And then he has to come to a conclusion that the only real peace between humans and machines is if he has to somehow save both of them. Mm -hmm. And in turn, at least in this movie, it would turn like his closest allies against him. Sort of like in Winter Soldier when like Captain America kind of realizes S.H.I.E.L.D. is Hydra. Spoilers. Um <laughs> And it kind of takes away the thing that sort of defines Captain America. Like, mm -hmm. same thing with Neo. If he gets, if he realizes that, like, he has to sort of save at least some part of the machines who don't, like, he realizes that, like, there's some programs in the Matrix and three that are like, we want to live. Like, we don't yeah. want to be part of this. Like, we want to grow and experience love. And I have a child. And, like, that comes in the story literally two and a half hours yeah. after it should. 
And I just kept being like, if we can tear Neo apart from everything that he thought he was much earlier, this story just becomes much better. So I tried to continue Neo in the vein of Keanu Reeves' Neo. Okay. I think this guy is a really good actor, and he's done a couple really good action movies. When I say his name, the reaction's going to be like, oh, okay. But I picked Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And the reason is, is that I think he can still play that sort of like um, unknowingness that Neo kind of has, but also sort of have an emotional levity. Ooh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think he can just sort of play the moments where he realizes that like what he thought he was supposed to do no longer is the thing he can do mm-hmm. uh, really well while also sort of being like, yeah, I could see how this is the same Neo that we saw. Uh, He's very Keanu 20 years ago. Esque. Yeah. A lot of the people I don't, you know, this is a this, look. I feel like my ideas for this movie are much better than the people I cast for this movie, but... Okay, I'll um, accept that. So that's who I went with, and I would watch him. Here's the another thing that has to go. Whatever this weird Japanese trench coat Neo wears Listen, all the time, I, I here's, can't. Here's the bad thing about I the can't. order in which we did these movies, because... Even though they're unrelated, when he was in the full-length trench coat, I said, what is this man, a Grammaton cleric? <laughs> and I think the issue I take, too, is that sometimes he's in a full-length coat. Sometimes he is in a a mid-length coat. Sometimes, oh, this made me so mad. They're in uniforms at one point. Who? Like, the people who are, like, on the ships. Like, Morpheus full-on wears a uniform. Oh, the captain wears, like, a red shirt. Yes. I hate that. Because in the first movie, you're like, oh, these people are, like, rebels. They're, like, fighters. And then all of a sudden, they're part of some, like, structural... Yes. I didn't Army. like that. I didn't like that. But that's getting away from what we should be talking about, which is Trinity. Let's talk about this because <laughs> you are absolutely right. To define a character simply in the fact that she loves another character is so fucking bullshit. Don't be afraid. I can't lose you. You're not going to lose me. You feel this? I'm never letting go. Like, it's just so insane to me that, like, her whole purpose was to essentially bring him back to life with her love. You know what this is? This is fucking middle school crushes all over again. Where it's like people come up to your, your locker and oh, be like, when, oh, look, like he's when coming. When Joey Pants comes up and is like, you never brought <laughs> yeah. me dinner. And she's like, well, you're not Keanu Reeves. I mean, agreed. But like, yeah, it's this thing of people being like, Trinity loves Neo. I but know. like, <clears throat> who cares? And so like in this movie, when they just start like going at it and she's like, I, you're never going to lose me. It's like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's nothing he's done to, to like, there's no personality even there. Like, what do you love about him that he's the one and, then, and you're told that you have to love him? And then for him to respond to that with absolute devotion, like the whole reason he takes the door to the left is because he wants to go, like he has seen her destiny and he wants to go save her. No, no. It's her own dumb fault that she's shooting bullets continuously at this agent and not hitting anything. I know. This it's is, her okay. fault. So this is how I tried to solve this. If I'm going off the same movie where she, for some reason, has to be destined to love this person, 
We need to dig into that way more. Like at the end of one, it's this one moment of her vulnerability where she says she loves him and it does bring him back. So in number two, she kind of has to deal with that repercussion of like, what does this mean? Like you have to unpack She this. has to be like, I said I loved him. You kind so of do. what do we do now? You kind of have to deal with this idea that like she probably does love this person but she doesn't understand why like and then you get to explore maybe why she would love yeah. this person so in my head this movie starts out that they are not together and they're definitely not leaving the cool fucking cave rave to go <laughs> do this like weird honest, scene you painting in the you don't leave the cave rave. Uh, when morpheus got up there it was like dj morpheus i remember that for 100 years they have sent their armies to destroy us and after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Oh, so stupid. So stupid. Anyways, I ended up picking Carrie Ann Moss. No, that's the original. <laughs> I was going to say, bold choice. I ended up picking Kristen Ritter because okay. if you've ever watched a single episode of Jessica Jones... Mm -hmm. She's really tough. She's She plays a character that doesn't need anybody else or thinks she doesn't need anybody else. Like, a, probably like a loner for a long time. And that's kind of who I saw Trinity being. Okay. Someone who is just like, I got pulled out. I probably pulled my fucking self out. I joined up with Morpheus. I'm kicking ass. And then suddenly, here's this dude who did all this crazy shit mm -hmm. that I may or may not be in love with because I resurrected him by saying I did. Like, yeah, it, it, it was a Snow White true love's kiss situation. It really was. It was weird. And that's a complex thing that I have not seen. Uh, like, we always see the, up until that moment. And it's always like, oh, yeah, they fell in love because they kissed. And, like, someone said that they should be in love. But we never see what happens after. It would actually be hilarious if this movie started... Like immediately after the first one, and it's Neo waking up and being like, "Um, so like this is complicated because like and you say you love me, but like I don't know, I don't you, know that you that well." She's so, like, like, "Let's just forget mm. it. Let's just for." And I absolutely with in my head should be like, "Yeah, let's just never fucking talk about this again." Yeah, but then they can have some chemistry, right? Yeah, then they can have some scenes where they're bouncing off each other. And maybe they affect each other. And so then, like, as they go along, maybe there is something about Neo that she actually does love mm -hmm. that brings something out in her as opposed to just being like, nope, you're and just honestly, a pair now. It puts more stakes on the end of the movie because when he's making the decision, it's clearly like, hey, do you, like, do you love this woman? Like, is that the reason you want to go back? Or are you just going to take the other door and, like, keep the cycle going? Yeah. And it makes it so much heavier for him to be like, yeah wow, I think I do. I think I have to go save her. Like, yeah. I can't sacrifice her for this. And that's way more interesting than just, like, deuces. I knew what I was going to do when I walked in here. I know. It's awful. Who'd you pick? Um, so for my Trinity, I picked Lupita Nyong'o. Oh, man. She was on my list. And I feel really confident with this choice because I think she <clears throat> is, again, sort of the perfect actress to be the stoic sort of I have a mission in my life yeah. and I'm gonna accomplish it but then as we see her shell sort of crack and the the softness inside that reveals itself um, as she interacts with this person whom she loves you love her she loves you it's all over you both I want to sample it 
Why don't you sample this instead? Trinity. I, I, I like, I like, I really love her for this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I almost picked her. I'm really bummed I didn't, but she's someone that, uh, I don't even know what to say. Like she, she just fits that kind of role of, she kind of does it in Black Panther. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they give her agency in that movie and it really, she really shines. So mm-hmm. It's like, oh, she's not just like a social worker trying to like do outreach. It's like, oh, psych. She's a fucking dope ass spy. Yeah. Who's been trying to like topple dictatorships across Africa. And also in the idea that there's a complicated love story on top of that, like absolutely she could fucking do this. Yeah. And absolutely I would watch her do this. Great choice. Thank you. Kind of bummed I didn't, I didn't go. Like we could have, we could have matched these. <laughs> maybe we'll do it on the next one. Maybe we'll do it on the next one. <laughs> I don't think so, but maybe. Okay, I have a question about Morpheus. In this reality, is Morpheus like The Rock? Is he like Dwayne Johnson? Oh my gosh, I literally wrote, why is Morpheus the man? <laughs> like, why is he the most famous why, person in the world? Yes, why when he's like, okay, the who, whoever the guy is at the rave who's like, he's going to come out and I know he hasn't talked in a while. And I'm like, wait, who is, is he like a, I don't, I just don't understand. I don't understand how he became like a, such a central figure. He's like a mix between but, The Rock, Billy Graham, Barack Obama. Yeah. <laughs> and like Dave Grohl. Like it doesn't make any sense. As soon as he's in a room, they're all like, I don't know. What does Morpheus think? Morpheus is like, I believe. I believe in Neo. Yeah. You should believe in Neo. And they're like, we're going to believe in Neo. Why? Yeah, no one no. saw what he because did. Because most of the time, too, people are like, yeah, Morpheus, the true believer. And like they're sort of like think he's a hack. But even like Niobe is like. Well, I don't believe you, but I believe in you. Like, <laughs> oh my god! All right. Who'd you Speaking pick? of Niobe, I hated this feud that Morpheus has with Locke. Yeah. Because one, it's never resolved, and two, it's why, about a woman. It's about a woman. Why are they? Why are they like this? <sighs> anyway, um, okay. Lana and Lily. Why? I mean, we have so many questions about <laughs> all of your movies, but whatever. Um, okay, so for my Morpheus. I picked very specifically John Cho. Hmm. Okay. Get on board with me here. I I wanted to pick an Asian actor for this because I hate that so much of the so much of this movie is inspired by Eastern cultures and like fighting styles, mm. and yet all of the Asian characters are sort of like Periphery. peripheral. Yeah. And I would love it if. Like you sort of saw Morpheus as like, I think maybe we would see him more as the man if we're like, oh, he's the one who has like chosen how everybody is trained and has like sort of fixed, like he has set the tone for how this whole thing works. He's not the leader, but he's the strongest. And I think John Cho can be wise, mysterious. I mean, he's all things, but... I think he can be wise, mysterious. I think he can kick butt. I know we've had yeah. some disagreements about his ability in that area. <laughs> in, recent, but, in recent weeks. But I I would really enjoy seeing him be the, um, I don't know, trainer? The docent of like yeah. all things prophecy. Yes, and sort of take Neo under his wing. I believe it is our fate to be here. It is our destiny. I believe this night holds for each and every one of us the very meaning of our lives. Hashtag John Cho and everything. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stand by it. I think that's a really interesting pick. 
You know, it's funny because he's getting older. He's going to age into the – he's going he's to age a, into this character. He's type. a Morpheus. He's in Morpheus range he's for sure. He's in Morpheus sure. range now. Yeah. I think it's funny. It's like he he's, he gone, just, he's going from Sulu to Kirk. You know what I mean? He's, yes. But I think too it's sort of one of those things where you're like, I don't know how – like he looks incredible. I, don't yeah. know how old John, I mean I know how old John Cho is because I had to look it up. <laughs> but whatever. Um, yeah. All right. Great pick. Thank you. I went with Jamie Foxx. Wow. <laughs> right. Why? <laughs> Couple reasons, right? Okay. One, Jamie Foxx is a versatile actor. Okay. He is an Academy Award winner. He is. He has made some poor choices in the last 10 years of his career. Uh-huh. I'm looking at you, Amazing Spider-Man 2. I'm looking at you, Guy Ritchie Robin Hood. But what I liked about Morpheus in this was the the kind of character who, I mean, he's sort of like this in the first one, whose faith gets tested. Like, his mm-hmm. whole arc is about his faith getting tested. Yeah. And I wanted someone who could maybe play more of a friend to Neo than Morpheus does in this version. Like, Morpheus in this version is just kind of like the captain. Yeah. And it's not until the very end when the when Neo and Morpheus say goodbye in three that they're like, that I was like, oh, are you guys friends? Well, like, nobody in this world is friends. Like, everybody's too cool for that, truly. Because, like, the kid who's, like, obsessed with Neo when they, are like, get to Zion yeah. and he's like, can I carry your bags? Like, that stuff is treated so coldly of, like, I don't need relationships. Yeah. I don't need, uh, like, everybody's yeah. fighting it. So, yeah, of course they don't seem like friends. Like, th- that's just nobody. Dude, it was nobody. so weird that the human actors were acting so robotically. And then when we watched the programs in The Matrix, they were the most human being. Yeah, chill all. AF. Um, I don't know. I In my head, I was like, okay, if this story is to carry on in my version, I needed – I, I want to drive a wedge between Neo and Morpheus, and so that means I want an actor who could resonate the divide between whatever ideology that starts to separate them. Mm-hmm. And I went with Jamie Foxx over, say, like, I don't know, Idris Elba or whatever, because right. I think Jamie Foxx could show the desperation of someone who could, who would think that, like, no, the plan is supposed to be this. Mm-hmm. And if Neo starts choosing a different path, that's what I thought it was. Where does that leave me? Like, am I going to cling to my faith or am I going to cling to my friend? I have dreamed a dream. But now that dream is gone from me. And I thought Jamie Foxx could play that new kind of dimension to Morpheus that's not really in this movie. Yeah. Morpheus is essentially like, let's let's talk about what Morpheus does. He DJs the greatest burning man that ever existed. <laughs> Well, he intros he, it. He's he intros the hype, it. He's yeah. the hype man. He's the hype man of Burning Man thirty two sixty one. Yes. And then they're like, we the Oracle needs us to go fucking grab the key master. And then he runs around on the freeway. What character is this person? Like, where, where, what if, is this? I mean, if we dig too deep, nobody, everybody is one note. Yeah. Yeah. That's the frustrating thing. Oh, boy. All right, guys, uh, let's move on to Agent Smith, who arguably was one of the greatest cinematic villains of all time. Why, though? Because there was, like, the introduction to Hugo Weaving, this, like, great character actor that no one had really seen before, playing this, like, sadistic fucking computer program with a point of view, 
and he was just evil. He just wanted to kill people. And then he became this weird vampire. I agree. I think him as an actor in this character made it what it was. Mm -hmm. And so I can see them being like, well, I don't, I don't, who knows if they had this character planned to be what he ended up being for the second and third movies. But it's sort of one of those things where I'm like, mm, did we bring him back in an effective way? Maybe, maybe not. He's not actually like a huge part of the movie. No, he's, he's, he's more a character in three because of, these are actually kind of concepts I really liked was the idea that like Agent Smith gets out of the Matrix. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. Is this idea that a human can go into the matrix and now a program can get out. Yeah. So what does that mean for the future? Which I think is important for the end of three, which is like when they're like, oh, what are we going to do with all the ones that want out? And the architect's like, well, we'll get, they'll let them out. Like, yeah. we'll be kind to one another. Um, but I just felt that like in two, he's just like a boogeyman that that it doesn't like there's no purpose to he him. He shows up to just be like I'm still here and I'm no longer I'm no longer a program I'm a virus. Yeah. It is purpose that created us. Purpose that connects us. Purpose that pulls us, that guides us, that drives us. It is purpose that defines. Purpose that binds us. We are here because of you, Mr. Anderson. We're here to take from you what you tried to take from us. Like, I do like the mirroring of like, oh, now Agent Smith has like kind of godlike ability to rival Neo. But just in number two, it just was like, he's not really, he doesn't really affect the plot, really, does he? Hmm. Other than that, like, Neo is just like... Oh shit, here's like a thousand Agent Smiths. And then he doesn't tell anybody about because it. Because after that fight, yeah, he doesn't come back into play, right? Like, why don't they just leave the Matrix and Neo's just like, hey, I just fought like 20,000 Agent Smiths and he's just assimilating the Matrix. Yeah. So maybe we don't have to do anything. Like, maybe we don't have to. Maybe you let him take over the Matrix. Right, yeah. Interesting. And then we just go our separate way as humanity. Interesting. Interesting. Anyways, I don't know. I'm just sort of thinking about it in two. But um, <laughs> this one was really hard because the thing about the periphery actors in this movie, they're not big stars. So I, these next two, I apologize, guys. I dug real deep into my character actor basket. Okay. You might not know who these guys are, uh, for, at least for Agent Smith and the architect. But I'm going to try and jog your memory with a few of them okay so i wanted an actor who could play cold who could play menacing who could wear a suit who could uh sort of maybe make you uncomfortable send chills down your spine and be like oh this guy's gonna be fucking bad news now whether or not he would play the agent smith or like a new upgraded agent mm -hmm. smith you know 2.0 3.0 whatever i don't really know but uh i ended on an actor named toby leonard moore what? <laughs> Who was in John Wick 1. Okay. He was in Billions. He's in Daredevil. And he generally, at least on Daredevil, I haven't seen Billions, but he plays this sort of like chilling right-hand man character, and he's really fucking good. And we don't have to spend a lot of time on him because I obviously know that you don't know who he is. I don't know who no he is. No one listening to this podcast knows who he is. No. But, um, what have you done? <laughs> But I like the idea of picking some of the people don't know because I remember watching the original movie and being like, 
who the hell is this weird bug-eyed dude that's, like, scaring the shit out of me? Mm-hmm. And that's how I, I was – and then it's just like, oh, it's Hugo Weaving. It's, like, one of the biggest, you know, character actors now today. So I, I kind of picked a – Interesting. Obscure actor to try and give him a little more, like, a pa-pa-pa. Here's your, here's your moment. Okay. I picked someone very famous. <laughs> so let's you, just – pick Triple H. <laughs> I don't know. That was the first. I literally was like, "That's the first actor what? that popped in my head." Um, John Cena. I met John Cena. Who's gonna say Do Triple H? Triple H is. I mean, it's not like too uh, too crazy, but it's weird. Um, okay, so for my Agent Smith, I agree. I think it has to be someone who can get under your skin in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, because really, like, I think Hugo Weaving like owes his big blockbuster career to. Uh, this movie Mm -hmm. but um yeah i wanted to pick someone maybe more established who would be a fun get for what they have to create especially if because here's the thing so much of agent smith in this movie is computer generated and it's all bad it looks horrific really bad and it makes the fight scenes look terrible you yes me I don't even think that's crazy for the time because I I don't think at the time we were like, this is awesome. I think we were like, this is kind of okay. No, it was bad then. It's bad now. This was my favorite moment after the fight when like Neo just like flies away and all the agents are just like looking around. Yeah. What do we do? Should we get should we get coffee? Should we go? Oh, you have to run errands. Oh, well, okay. One of us has to run. errands. Oh, all right. Well, and they're all just like, well, what do we do with ourselves? It is. Yeah, it's weird. Anyway, I picked Jared Leto mm. because I I think he can be super weird, and yeah. I I like him as a uh, as a competing presence of power. I know you and I disagreed on this. Uh, speaking of Blade Runner twenty forty nine, yeah, terrible. I really liked him in that movie. That sort of measured, sort of half computer bad mm-hmm. guy. I also really like that movie, but I watched it in parts, and I think yeah. that was, if you watch it like a TV show, it's much better. I can imagine sitting there for three hours being like, oh. I fell asleep in the theater. Um, it was beautiful, though. Yeah. And I do agree. I think I thought a lot about him in that movie for this, but I think he sort of reached a point in his career where, like, why not do small, interesting things that allow you to have fun and not just like would the Matrix reboot be a small fun thing, or do you think it would be like well the part his Joker Suicide Squad kind of like but he did that I think planning on getting a franchise yeah yeah that's probably true little did we know people don't want to see Joker with a grill so now we've come to it oh man the fucking character that I remember sitting there just being like why is this guy fucking still speaking I actually I think I should put in a clip of I think it's Will Ferrell who makes fun of this moment. Was it the Teen Choice Awards? The MTV Movie Awards are a systemic anomaly inherent to the programming of the Matrix. Ergo, concordantly, vis-a-vis, you know what? I have no idea what the hell I'm saying. Didn't they make fun of this in one of the scary movies? It's very lonely in here. Ergo, I haven't been with anyone in a very long time. Not counting myself. Or this chair. I call her... Linda. I think they made fun of this in a lot of movies. <laughs> you think this was easily make funnable? 
Um, so for my architect, it's essentially stunt casting. I wanted to pick someone who was recognizable and um, at the same time could give a great sort of because we were talking about this. We watched the we heard the clip a little earlier of him talking. There is something very specific about the way he speaks. And as a as a computer program mastermind, I wanted to pick somebody who I thought has a, a great voice, but could also just deliver the subtle variations that I think the current architect really doesn't have. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't give us much. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I picked Sean Bean. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, he definitely was going to die in this movie, right? <laughs> I mean, Sean Bean of literally everything, he just doesn't make it very far in. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I can see that. It's sort of um, the omniscient sort of... Wait, did you just watch Equilateral again? And you're like, you know who would make a great architect? No, I did not this watch Equilibrium. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> Equilateral. Equilateral. <laughs> Collateral. Did you watch Collateral? <laughs> um, no, yeah, but- did you watch Equilibrium and were just like... No! This Tetragrammacon... <laughs> No, I didn't. But you can't help but think about it, everybody in their jackets. Mm-hmm. But I think Sean Bean would be great for this because, um, yeah, what why if, not? What if you if you die in equilibrium, you, you go wake to up the in the matrix? matrix? <laughs> so the movies are actually <laughs> layers on top of each other? I would love that. Um, yeah, okay. Just sort of like the godlike creator of all things that swoops in and changes – Sort of what we know about the Matrix as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought about, I did think about him for a couple of characters. I can't remember if it was necessarily this cast, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can see I would also love if I would love to see a separate movie just about the architect and the Oracle, like a rom com. For sure, a rom com. He's an uptight <laughs> business program. She's a laid back hippie who changes her skin willy nilly. Soon they have to build a world together. But will they get along? Yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to see how they create, how they together created the program and the way it works. So for my architect, this is how I went about it. I really liked the character of the keymaster. Oh yeah, he was fun. And I really hated the character of the architect. And what I thought was, well, why do why does the architect need to be this like crotchety old man? Why can't he be more like the keymaster, this little like squirrely guy? who's always running around the Matrix, just Mm -hmm. kind of building it as he goes. Like, he's trying to make sure everything's, like, functioning. And so he would be sort of a mix of that, like, key maker little worker Mm -hmm. on top of this sort of, like, all-encompassing god program that runs the place. Only the one can open the door. And only during that window can the door be opened. How do you know all this? I know because I must know. Is my purpose. It's the reason I'm here. The same reason we're all here. And so I merged them into one character. Oh! Yes. Curveball. That way in your story, they only have to find one guy. Yeah. Instead of like, we have to find this one guy to find this one guy to find this other guy, which the Oracle told us to do. It's just a laundry list of things that they all have to do. And it just seems so, it just seems like obstacle without consequence or necessity right Mm -hmm. so in that regard i picked an actor who i don't think anyone's gonna know oh boy saeed tagmahoy oh i do know who you're talking about he was in three kings he was in wonder woman he's a middle eastern actor Mm -hmm. he has a wonderful presence on screen yes 
He's very eloquent. He can play a wide range of like villains and heroes. And he's always someone that shows up in a movie and I'm like, oh my God, this guy. Yeah. He was in John Wick 3. He is like the elder of the high table that he goes to see. I think that's why he's stuck in my brain. I was like, this guy is everywhere. Yeah. He's, he's very good and great as like, cause I mean, as of yet, I haven't seen him starring in anything. So when he pops up, I'm always like, this guy's really interesting. Yeah. So that's why I picked, especially as like someone who like you would kind of. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like maybe easily dismiss mm-hmm. or maybe not see because of like his stature is a little shorter. And I like that for the architect of someone that like if you go looking for him, you're never going to find him. Yeah. But if you kind of like stop looking for him, he might just like appear. Yeah. Sort of like a gypsy, not a gypsy, but like um, like a fairy or a or a um, something mythical, like a creature, mm-hmm. a nymph, a gnome. Like how they talk about how like. An elf. When people see, like, ghosts or aliens. Yeah. It being, like, the program trying to fix a glitch in the Matrix. Like, he himself is a glitch in the Matrix of, like... Yeah, like, that that dope moment in the first one where Neo's like, oh, I thought I saw a cat. And they're all like, is it deja vu? The Matrix changed. Oh, yeah. And then you realize that, like, you have that moment again... And Neo realizes, like, if the Matrix is changing, the architect has to be close by. Yeah. See, that's cool. That's cool, right? But they don't ever make those, like, associations. No. No. It's just so – it's, like, it's like you can't see the forest for the trees. Like, there is – there's cool stuff happening, but not as cool as it could be if it was just a cohesive story. Story, yeah. Well, I hope the audience enjoyed our versions at least. Uh, if you didn't, then we apologize. Just stick to the original. Just yeah. imagine that Neo freed everybody and the machines all died. For the record, my version would still have Monica Bellucci in it. <laughs> I truly, I was so happy when she popped up again because I was like, this thrown in character is jazzing things up. But like, really, all, I, lo- I loved it. All she wants is to like piss off her boyfriend. But that's what makes her fun as a program is that everybody else seems to sort of have a clear directive and she's just like, you know what? Oh, interesting. I would have thought you hated her character. No, because I think there's – I do think it's weird how she's like, I want to kiss and that's the reason. Mm -hmm. I mean – it's a That's little strange. weird, but I just I love like how she walks into the room with the two guys who are like the werewolves or they're whatever vampires or they're werewolves. I think so. It's and like she's subtly. just straight up like you can either run to the restaurant and tell my husband what I have done or you can stay there and die. He's in the ladies room. I carry silver bullets with me and like shoots one of them point blank. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, yeah, this girl yeah. just like does whatever. She could have just done that. And it would have been like, dope. This this woman just wants chaos. Yeah. This I think. In, but I think, too, like the world of the Merovingian. And I, I watched a video where someone explained him as like the operating system of the Matrix. And I thought that was really cool because they always have to go through him to get to specific things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sure, it's a little easy to just be like, oh, he's the he's the bad character who we have to pass again to collect to pass go and collect two hundred dollars. But like the, I, I think his his motives and like her twisty turniness made that part very mm. interesting. Well, there's only one more character that we have to talk about, and that's Barry Pepper. <laughs> Guys, where does Barry Pepper go? There's so many goddamn fucking extra characters in this in these so next two people. movies. I had to go look because I could like see people's faces, but I was like, whose whose name do I yeah. even know? I made him lock. 
Mm. I made him sort of the rival to Morpheus. Okay. Okay. A little bit. I made him Roland, the captain of the hammer. The hammer, yeah. Either one. Either one is fine. Barry, don't take this part. (laughs) Couldn't those two characters have been the same character? 100% they could have. (laughs) It would have made, well, I mean, I guess not because Locke, like, you have to have a character that we're devoted to in Zion for the third movie. Do we even need to see Zion? Well, yeah, because it almost gets destroyed. Oh, God. There's, like, you, we see Zion and we think it's, like, X amount deep and then they destroy it and then there's still, like, lower levels that just look like the higher levels they were at. I was like, how deep is this fucking place? Let's talk about the real star of this movie. Z. Oh. Okay. <laughs> this is my this is my favorite. I read so much trivia about her because they auditioned a ton of women to play What's-His-Face's girlfriend in Zion, who ends up in the third movie battling all of the Sentinels. Yeah. They auditioned Ava Mendes, Samantha Mamba, Brandy, Tatiana Ali, Debrat. And the initial choice was Aaliyah. Yeah. And they would have went there if she hadn't passed just before they shot it. They ended up going with Nona Gay, who is the daughter of Marvin Gay, and she's not good in this movie (laughs) this is the weird thing about the casting of z is that it really seems like they were like we really need a singer for this part yeah every every well almost everybody on this list african-american pop star to play this role yeah as opposed to like hey you guys could have had like a young zoe saldana that could have been the type of quality you got yeah it could have been interesting especially because it seems like they put so much effort into her as a character and then nothing She's not. She's in num- number two once. Nothing. Every ship up there has been home two, even three times more than the Nebuchadnezzar. Come on, Z. Thought we were past this. We'll get past this when you start operating another ship. You're she's like the widow's whale. Appears. Yeah. She's like, will he come back? Will Link come back? And it's like, fuck. Who gives a shit about Link? This is a new character we have no attachment to. Even though he's better than the previous two um, operators, Tank and Dozer. But he's re- somehow related to them? He's like Dozer's – he's like Tank or Dozer's best friend who promised that he would serve on the Nebuchadnezzar if they died. Yeah. Which makes no sense. Ugh. Um, oh, man. Yep. I don't know. That's the Matrix. That's the Matrix. And uh, I don't know if I have anything else to say. Other than, you know, what we just sort of talked about the last hour. It's just it's such a shame that a great concept for a hero, a great concept for a world yeah. with like themes that are really powerful and tones that are really strong just got like wasted. Like yeah. if for the sake of wasting. Like if they re- these movies feel bloated for the sake of bloat. It honestly feels like they trapped us. Much like because like there were char- there were actors in this movie who signed up to do the movie script unseen. Yeah. And I think everybody just inherently trusted the Wachowskis after the first movie and we had no idea what we were getting into. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Would you remake this movie? No. Too many possibilities for mistakes? We just don't we don't the first movie exists in such a perfect little world. Let's just let's remember that we had that Forget about the sequels. Say lovey. My hubris is telling me we definitely need to remake this movie. Wow. And it's going to be as bad as the 
as the sequels we got. <laughs> but I it's don't all know the, it's like it's too it. it's too good. It's too good that you can't fuck it up, you know? You're just yeah. gonna fuck it up. You know who's in this movie who should write a new version of this movie? Let me guess. <laughs> uh, I can just tell you. Yeah. Lee Wanell. Who is Lee Wanell? He is uh he is one of the crew members on one of the ships. He's um oh no, he's on the ship that uh dies when they find out the sentinels are like using bombs. I mean, it's a blink and you miss it thing. But I mean, I'm a fan. And so I saw him and I was like, "Oh my gosh, Leon L is in this movie." Okay. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even see him. Yeah. I had no idea. I'd watch it. Yeah. All right. That's my challenge to you. Write this movie. Guys, thanks for joining us this week on The Boot. If you like this episode, please check out our other episodes. Please stay tuned next week. Week three of sequel month. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. (laughs) Please subscribe. Please rate. Please tell your friends. Hit us up online. Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by and leave us a rating and review. That is the best way to help us out. You can also find us now on Ko-fi where you can go to make a very small donation just to help us keep making this podcast. Don't you want the Matrix to live on? That link is in our description and all over Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at The Boot Podcast and on Instagram at Boot Podcast. You can also find us separately on social media because Brian took the blue pill. Oh, why didn't I take the blue pill? At Flynn B and at Kinetrit. <laughs> Are you sure this is Lee Wan L? He just looks like every white guy no, that was 100% on that show. Hundred percent, it's Lee Wan L. Okay, guys, we'll see you next time. De Dieu, de putain de bordel de merde, de saloperie, de connard d'enculé de ta mère. It's like wiping your ass with silk. I love it. <laughs>